live on the line. I've got the lady herself, Jocelyn. Um, now, I usually say welcome to England, but you've been an English resident for uh, quite a while now, haven't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, I sure have. <laughs> what, what made you decide to settle in the UK? Well, I didn't decide to settle. The UK decided to settle me, right. okay? Okay. <laughs> and the thing was is that uh, I had come over here to do, just, you know, to take a, a opportunity to do a deal. Yeah. But it turned out that the deal was sour. Okay. And what pick up from that was performance. Uh-huh. So I've been performing ever since I came over here. And that's what's been keeping me here, living here in London, England. Wonderful. You know? Wonderful. Nice place to be as well. But uh, so you're still an indie man performer, but you've been singing. I think your first yes. pre- public performance was, how old were you? Three years old? Uh-huh. Three. Wow. With my grandmother and my family yeah, in church. Um, that was the whole thing that I did. He's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah. That was my normal song, okay? Yeah. And starting from North Carolina, the I didn't get to New York City until I was like six years old. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't performing. I was with my mommy and my aunt, who were performers. Yeah. And uh, from that time on, I've been in New York, you know, from seven years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, the work that I've achieved didn't happen until I was 14. Right. And that was my Aunt Barbara. Oh, yes. Barbara Roy. Yeah, former interviewee on this show. Lovely um, lady. Her and my cousin Brenda. Mm-hmm. They were called Barbara and Brenda. Mm. They had a group out at that time. And uh, she kept me with her. And I did, you know, background sessions. My first background session was with her. Oh, lovely. You know? Yeah. What is it? The name of the group was... Uh, Ecstasy, Passion and Pain? No, not her group. It was another group. My cousin Brenda and my auntie and myself sang the background, Peaches and Herbs. Oh, right. Yeah, it was on their first album. And we did two songs on there. And uh, I was 14. Wow. Wow. So from that point on, being in New York, going to school and everything and doing a little spot jobs with my aunt, I got to understand that I could make money singing. But I was trying to pursue a singing career, I was pursuing, I wanted to be a a, a doctor. Oh, right. A pet, yeah, I wanted to be a pet doctor. Yeah, vet. And, uh-huh, veterinarian, yep. And my mom said that the Bronx High School was too far away from home, and she didn't want me traveling on the train that late and all that stuff, so that knocked that out. And then after that, you know, other things began to happen, and I began to sing background for people, you know, like... You know, Roberta Flack and John Lennon. And, yeah, John Lennon. Yeah. I mean, what was it like working with him? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Because apparently, apparently he was a really nice man, wasn't he? Nice. He was like your brother. <laughs> like, he taught me everything I needed to know about sushi. Sushi? Everything. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. I, wasn't, I didn't understand it or, or knew about it until I met him. And he had a whole display of it in the studio mm. and it freaked me out because I said it's all raw fish yeah it's raw fish and he said no 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 he said this is good he said do you know anything about this I said no I wouldn't eat no raw fish in my life no I've, ne- I've never had it no he said I'm going to teach you something he gave me a cucumber wrapped in rice and seaweed mm-hmm. and that's the first taste I had about what it was to have something on the sushi side. Wow. And, yeah. and it went on from there to so much more. Yeah. And my baby was with me as well. So my daughter and myself and him and his son and Yoko, 
we all was losing our minds and the sing and the other singers vowed to us as well. Lovely. So it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was beautiful. You became very in demand. I mean, across all genres, you, you've uh, sung background for Janis Joplin, the same as you have for um, I don't know Michael Jackson, and mm-hmm. um, you got you got a gig with Change, a band called Change that really hit the ground running, didn't it? I mean, the debut LP was very well received over here, and you and Luther Vandross complimented each other perfectly. Let's have a listen to Lovers' Holiday. Well, can you tell me about that? Do you remember the day you got the call? Oh, yeah. I got the call. Uh, in actuality, I was in the studio when I got that call. Oh, right. I was in another session. And they asked me to come over to the studio where they were to meet them. Mm-hmm. And I got over there, and Luther was there, and we were acting stupid. <laughs> acting, and he was telling me about it. Luther was telling me about the song that was done because it was called Searching. Oh, yeah, Searching, yeah. Uh-huh, and that was the first song that we did together. Wow. So I was like, okay, great, let's have some fun. And that's how I saw it. I didn't see it as making a monumental step in life, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were credited as Joshua, uh, Jocelyn Shaw on the change LP. Yeah, married at that time. Ah, so Jocelyn Shaw was your married name. Yeah, that explains it then. Taking that line then, you were involved in George Benson's Give Me the Night LP, but there you yeah. were um, credited as Jocelyn Allen. And wrong, they made a mistake. Oh, right. <laughs> I they, see. I didn't know what these moonlighting. Had, they made a mistake and acknowledged it, but I don't know how many more albums came out like that. It might have been quite a few. <laughs> I but don't know. As long as they addressed me as Jocelyn Brown on that check, I was fine. Absolutely. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Well, um, Change disbanded not uh, too long after, and you started recording with other groups, including uh, Inner Life on um, Soul Soul Records. Yeah. And uh, you produced a great disco version of Ain't No Mountain High Enough. I mean, Soul Soul was a real vibrant label central to the disco scene, wasn't it? Uh-huh. It was one of those... It was between Spanish, disco, and R&B. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think Joe, they, Joe Baton set the label up, didn't they? he? So there's the Latin influence. Yes. I mean, quite a few, quite a few different people were on that label. Mm. But on their label, I was a hired singer. Yeah. And I was hired you know, with Greg Carmichael, who got in touch with me about... Inner Life. Yeah. And Inner Life was not the name. Inner Life became the name after we did yeah. the song. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, thing comes up. And uh, it was a situation that I was first grateful and, and, and it was wonderful, but it also put me in a position where I couldn't change who I was or how I was yeah. or the I had because I've I've been I've I've been announced as a you know the one with the big voice right. and all that stuff you know from South from Inner Life yeah you know yeah so you know? it was whilst you were with Inner Life that um, there was a record came out that really pushed your career forward caught up in a one night love affair it was a floor filler in clubs across the world let's give it a spin.
What do you think, what do you remember about that? That was the first song I ever did as a recording, as a demo. Mm -hmm. It turned out to become a single. (laughs) Yeah. And it was very sought after. There was a bidding war for it, wasn't there? Yes. They, I don't, well, you gotta remember something else. No, you wouldn't remember this because you didn't know. I was not pioneering to be a star. No. No, sir. That's not why I worked. I worked to support me and my child. Mm. And my sisters and myself and my mom. I had to support my family. And music, thank you, Jesus, was in my life. It was a part of my life every day. So it wasn't something that I was unusual about dealing with. It was more about how it got handed to me. Yeah. And was not acknowledged of being a single solo artist. I was a background singer. Yeah. Uh, But all of a sudden... They got my voice all over the place and doing a lot of stuff. And I was too naive. I didn't understand. I was not abreast of music and its business. So they took the piss. Right. I've heard that so many times. Yeah, they did. And Jocelyn Brown, the name stood, but the responsibility and the money and all that did not. A lot of people ran away from it, would not accept it. And would not give me points, would not give me an entitlement. They used my name, though. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know how to beg for it or to plead for it yeah. or to fight for it because that wasn't a part of me. No. Uh, but growing up in New York City and being part of the disco scene there, that must have been a real buzz because, I mean, it was the heart of the disco era. You're iconic clubs. You're a regular club goer and performer at places like, uh, well, Paradise Garage was one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you got you got uh, a very good friendship with Larry Levan, hadn't you? Mm-hmm. He was my buddy, <laughs> and we did a good thing together when we did "Ain't No Mountain High Enough" together. Yeah. You know, part up in the one that love affair. He remixed as well. Yeah, he was a good guy. He liked my fried chicken. That's what he liked. <laughs> Bless him. Lovely. And, I mean, as well as being a prolific singer, you've also a, a big songwriter as well, aren't you? You wrote, uh, along with your sister, um, one of the biggest-selling songs, certainly of the 80s, Somebody Else's Guy. And it's still on rotation on UK Radio 40 years later. And I tell you, I never miss an opportunity to give it a play. So let's have a listen. Yes, my baby sister and I wrote that together. Wow. She's not with me anymore. Oh, bless. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Yes. But it's okay because we wrote a song that's going to have her living for life. Yeah. You know, and she was good, and she is good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the, the song itself is that good. It's still on rotation on commercial radio here in the UK and across the world. So um, she certainly left a legacy behind, doesn't she? Sure did, yeah. Sure yeah. Uh, the thing about songwriting, though, I can't help but think that songwriters, when they lay the words down, they're pretty much bearing the souls when they create these songs, because I always assume that they're based on personal experiences. Was that the case with this one? Yes, it was. All right. My sister and both had a personal situation that went down. Right. Between us, you know, her guy and my guy. And we found out some things that we need to talk about. Right. And the day it happened was the day that my sister and I sat down at the piano and began to create somebody else's guy. Mm. 
Lovely. Must have been quite therapeutic. Um, just a moment ago, you were talking about the fact that you were powerless to um, get the money that you were owed from the industry because there were so many shysters about that were going to have you over, for want of a better phrase. Oh. But, um, I mean, that so often happens when you're, a voice as powerful as yours gets sampled, doesn't it? I mean, um, I remember Snaps, mm. I've Got the Power. Isn't it right that you uh -huh. first heard that in a club and said, whoa, that's me? Uh, well, I was in the club rehearsing, doing a sound check. Yeah. And the sister that was with me, she was working with me, she came in the room and she said, Justin, I swear, I swear, this DJ just played a song that's got your voice on it. And I said, girl, that up. <laughs> I said, you know. They're always talking about that kind of crap. She said, Jocelyn, please come with me. So I went with her to the next door area and asked the DJ if he would play that song again. And when he played it again, I said, dang, could you play it one more time? And he said, yeah. And I realized that was me. Mm. Doing a song with Jelly Bean Benitez. Yeah. And I, how could, how did that happen? And being naive to what's going on in the business and how people are doing things, they took the pitch. They yeah. got it and never acknowledged me, never paid me, never did anything that no. they were supposed to. Well, I, th I think the vocal was lifted from a song called Love's Gonna Get You, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. You see, the thing about that, it must be it must be flattering that they're lifting your voice, but it also must be so frustrating that they're ripping you off. Well, the thing is, is that what's more frustrating than that, the people that I originally did that song with, mm -hmm. for it to have a situation lifted and dealt with on that level, yeah. is totally disrespectful. Yeah, because that would have been with their permission, wouldn't it? That's right. And so they gave permission without me knowing it. Oh, dear. You know, and to this day, as we are talking, we are still dealing with that. Right. Oh, dear. And 32 years later, yeah. here, here we are, still in court. <sighs> Ouch. Well, best and wishes for a good outcome there. You came to the forefront again on the uh, UK scene with Incognito as a guest vocalist mm -hmm. for Incognito with their cover of uh, Ronnie Law's Always There. What a great song. was wonderful, but they didn't do business with me, right? All right. You know, and I'm one of the many ones that they've done, done, not done business with writing. You right. know, let me tell you something. I realize in life that no matter what we do, it doesn't take away the fact that somebody can still keep messing up. Mm -hmm. You have to understand that you can be messed up no matter what and understand that it's your life that you're dealing with right now. Are you going to lose your life by giving in yeah. and going through the crap? Yeah. Or are you going to step back and say, God, you know, you're in control. Help me as I move through this. And hopefully everything that comes in part. But I wasn't going to lose my children or no. lose my family and stuff like that because I was young. I was black. I am black. I'm a woman. And that was against me. Right. They didn't talk about that. I don't think they got the crop out with the money. Was the song? Yeah, you know. So there we go. Wonderful. Now you've always had a gospel root. I mean, um, you obviously your early life was in the gospel church. Um, you went mm -hmm. back to gospel, didn't you, with an, an LP called True Praises in two thousand and twelve. Right. One of my favourite songs on the CD is a track called um, He Reigns. Let's give it a play.
Is that something yeah. you've always wanted to do? Yes, and more. There's more to that. And the best part about that is, is that I had a chance to sing what I love. Yeah. I was still immature. I'm, I'm, I was still very immature right. and understand what it was to do a gospel album. But I understood what it was to interpret the feelings. So I did a good job with that to the, to the best of my ability. But I wait for God to allow me to do it again. Yeah. At least before I leave, leave this planet. Yeah. You know, I'm going... <laughs> I mean, it wasn't too much longer after that that you went back into the studio with another gospel theme with um, your good friend Connie Harvey, bless her, who I've got to thank for arranging this interview, by the way. Tell me yeah. about We Got the Power. We wrote that together. Right. You know, I gave more of the incentiment than me writing because she wrote the words. Mm -hmm. And because her and I worked together so long and she did with somebody else's guy with yeah. me and all that. She did. Stuff. She was on back here, wasn't she? That's right. And she helped me create it as well, you know, doing the backing part. I, it, it was wonderful. Mm. And I did another one with Colleen Anderson that you've not heard before. Right. That's out there. And they're, you know, working with sisters that know God is intense. It's really intense. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's the best. Yes. <laughs> it's the best formula for anything in the world. And how proud I am of knowing that I had a chance to be with my sisters yeah. in creating this just so beautiful. Wonderful. Um, so I saw you just, just before lockdown, went to the Jazz Cafe. Lovely venue. I know you're a regular there, aren't you? And always yeah. great performance. You're back there again in January. I am. That, yes. that must be like a home from home for you, the Jazz Cafe. Yes, it was. It allowed me to know what the system was as far as musicians were concerned. Yeah. Uh, so you're at the Jazz Cafe on the 20th, 21st of uh, January. Only a few tickets still available because it's a lovely, intimate venue. If you've never been to the Jazz Cafe, you certainly need to get yourself down there because uh, it's always a great night. Have you got any other projects on the horizon? My daughter and I are writing, and uh, my daughter's really good. Mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to put together another situation as far as uh, inspirational music is concerned. Lovely. You know, inspirational dance, inspirational house. Uh -huh. You know, I'm trying to go back there just to give a sample, but it's not going to be about the love and the, the love I lost and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's going to be about the love to get and the love to have and the love that's with you no matter what. Lovely. You know, that's where we're going to now. That's what we're dealing with. Splendid. So, so there, might I, be, there might be a new album release um, later next year, do you think? What's the time so. scale? Well, we're definitely talking about working on it right now. Lovely. You know, as far as December and January is concerned. So I don't know when maybe the middle of next year. Wonderful. Look forward to it. Jocelyn, mm -hmm. thanks so much for your time. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I wish you okay. um, a wonderful Christmas. Thank you so much. And the same to you. Lovely. Right, I'm going to play out now with a collaboration with the late, great Oliver Cheatham. This is Mindbuster. I'm in everywhere. 